You're listening to Because We're Dangerous, a Dark Matter podcast. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Chris. And in this episode, we're actually discussing a media call that I was able to be a part of thanks to our friend Kevin Batchelder. Clips from the media call, like actual audio clips, will be on Kevin's podcast, Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. But we thought today what we'd do is we would just talk about some of the highlights that, or at least what Chris thought were the highlights <laughs> of the call. So not the actual highlights, no, the, just it, stuff that I thought was interesting. We're talking about the crap today. You'll get the highlights from Kevin. I'm kidding. <laughs> is she? Is she kidding? I don't know. So what was what was just like the general atmosphere of the call? Because you were on the call with Joseph Malazzi, Joe Malazzi, who is the executive producer. Is that how we and say creator. his last name? Malazzi? Not sure still? I'm still not sure. Okay. It's It's been long enough since the call. I don't remember okay. exactly what they said. Well, we'll go with Malazzi until we hear anything different. So it was it was Joe Malazzi, Melissa O'Neill, Mark Ben-David, and Anthony Lemke. That is correct. One through three. One through three. And, One, two, three, if you And will. the creator slash writer. So what was the general atmosphere on the call? What What were people's kind of relationships and things like that like? It was, you know, you could tell that they were all pretty comfortable with each other, which makes sense. They filmed for, I don't know, four or five months, I think somebody said at some point. And uh, it was it was kind of interesting, though, because not everybody was on time to the call or possibly it was just that somebody was having trouble getting connected. I don't know. But when the call started at the scheduled time, only Joe and Melissa were there. So we kind of had to wait on Anthony and Mark. Tardy to the party. <laughs> Again, it seemed like there were maybe some connection issues or something. I don't know what the I'm hold up was. I'm holding it against them. Okay. Because they, <laughs> they both joined about the same time. So I don't know. And well, apparently they, they could hear what was happening, but couldn't get ah, connected okay. that way too. Because I think at some point Mark made some comment about uh, feeling feeling like a lurker because he'd been <laughs> able to hear what we'd been saying for the past five or ten minutes, but hadn't been able to respond. So. Mm. But yeah, it was it was kind of interesting because here's here's a bit of insight that will probably not be on the series. Melissa O'Neill has a great laugh. She was laughing a lot. Yeah, it's unlikely we're going to get to hear that very much. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of whole lot of funny times for two in the yeah. future. She's yeah. a fairly serious person. It's it's one of those things. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody laughs at some point on the series, but I'd be kind of surprised if it's two. She she's carrying a lot on her shoulders, so that's it disappointing is that we probably won't get to hear her laugh very much. But it's a great laugh. <laughs> we'll we'll hope for it eventually. One day she'll become was, a laugher. I was just sitting on sitting sitting there listening to the call. I was like, oh, that's a great laugh. I I like you, Melissa O'Neill. You're you're entertaining to listen to. Did she seem to have a good sense of humor? She did, yeah. Everybody seemed very good natured. It was it was a fun call to be on. So what were some of the highlights of the call for you? Like what was a question that was that was interesting? What did you get to ask actually? Let's see, the first thing I asked was actually a question that you you gave me. Hey, yay. <laughs> about the the open gender casting, because Joe Malazzi had mentioned that before that that when they were casting for roles, they they left it open to genders and ethnicities. So I asked about since they originated these characters in a comic book, you know, why did they decide to, you know, open it up? Basically, like, you know, how do you make those decisions? Right, because part of the reason I was interested in it, because there is the comic book, you would think they would have a more fixed sense of who this character was. Right, a very specific idea, since it's something that, you know, they've been thinking about a lot for a long time. Yeah, right. 
I think he started off talking about Four, who I guess is a man in the comic book, but they, you know, opened it up in terms of ethnicity, I guess. And, it, but he, he did stress that basically, and, and I sort of expected this answer that they just wanted the best actors for the roles, which why wouldn't you? But he did talk about casting Alex Malari Jr. as Four and just liking what he brought to the role, you know? And then he started talking about Zoe Palmer as the android, because I guess the android is male in the comic books. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. He, he told this great story, which I think, I think I've heard before. And it's probably on his blog. I guess one of the other finalist actors they had in their, in the audition process, one of the other finalists had a British accent, was British. He apparently mentioned this to Zoe. And Zoe's like, oh, I can do a British accent. <laughs> I can totally, I'm from England. I could totally do a British accent. <laughs> and so she did. And and she's like, I can also do a Jamaican accent. <laughs> and so then she did. <laughs> and I don't know, there was some comment about later in the season or something. I don't know. If, I don't know if this is some hint about something that's going to happen later or if it's just. Yeah, I read on his blog. He mentioned that the Jamaican accent might come into play later in the season. So we'll see. See, I thought he might have been joking when I saw it on the blog, but right. now I'm not so sure. Yeah. Some subroutine is going to kick in and suddenly the android is going to have a Jamaican accent. For some reason. <laughs> but I, I like the fact that they opened it up to ethnicities and they actually ended up with a fairly diverse cast. That was something I was really excited about just reading about the shows like, oh, this cast is actually fairly diverse. Which, yay. Yay. <laughs> but oftentimes I'll say, oh, we opened it up to ethnicities and they still end up with mostly white people. I yeah. mean, fair, I think we've got four white actors and three people of color, but still, that's fairly balanced. It's a better average than most. Yeah, yeah. So what was another question that you asked? Did you get to ask more than one? I did. I got to ask two. Everybody was asking two questions. So I'm like, oh, I you guess I can two. ask two. <laughs> See, I'd never done this before. So. Right. You know, thank you, Kevin, for letting me do this. But I was nervous. I was very nervous the whole time. But the other- I've been in your shoes. It's nerve wracking. I understand. It is because like you don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's not something we normally do. Anyway, but the other question I actually asked Annie's question because Annie had talked about, you know, the, the fact that there was already online support for the show before it even started. So I asked if that was surprising to them. So Joe actually specifically mentioned the fact that he writes a blog every day, blog post every day, and that his philosophy is sort of essentially front load the series with information. So he was talking about how a lot of other shows will sort of withhold the information and dole it out as the season progresses. And he says, you know, that doesn't make sense to him because he wants to essentially foster a relationship between the show and the fans or potential fans. He wants them to be invested in the show ahead of time, you know. Which makes sense to me, because how will your show survive unless people are already invested? And especially, I think that's wise for this type of show, since it's built so much in mystery. Like, the the characters themselves don't even really know who they are. Letting the audience feel like they know more about behind-the-scenes stuff, I think maybe could help get through what might be alienating to some folks initially. Like, who are these people? They don't even know. I don't know. So I Very think that's a, a good choice. Yeah. And, you know, sort of talking about how the actors were very fun and charming on the call. And I think that's sort of it, sort of part of it too, right? Because a lot of, a lot of the posts on his blog do have sort of, you know, pictures of the cast and the crew and people being goofy and that sort of thing, which does, it, it helps you relate more, if only to the actors. <laughs> so then you get sort of attached to the actors and 
which makes it easier to get attached to the characters because as you say we don't really know anything about these characters because they don't know anything about themselves not not nothing but you know you know what i'm saying very little very little yeah and and all of the cast the main cast members are are on twitter i don't know if they were on twitter beforehand i have not checked out their profiles to see how long they've been on twitter yeah i'm not sure either but that's something too the fact that I mean, some of them use it more than others. Alex Malari uses Twitter a lot. Anthony Limpke uses Twitter a lot. I see them tweeting a bunch. I'm not sure Alex Malari Jr. actually sleeps. (laughs) I think he's just on Twitter 24 hours a day. Not a bad thing. It's kind of nice, though, you know, the the way that the actors have been able to. And I think they're doing it very purposefully, trying to make connections with fans. Yes, I think so, too. It is nice. So what else was interesting to you in regards to questions that other people asked? Somebody actually asked everybody to describe their characters in three words. Oh, this could be good. And asked Joe to describe the series in three words. Okay, so let's let's start with with Joe. How did he describe the series? I believe he said it was fun, funny, and exciting, which is pleasing to me because I mean I would have gone with something like ginormous mystery, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, those aren't like maybe exciting for the first couple of episodes, but fun and fun. I mean, it's not that it hasn't been unfun, but I guess there's those... not been a lot of laughs. As yeah, because it's a serious thing that's been going on right. these first couple of episodes. I get it. This is not the fun part of the series, but the idea that that's how he feels like mostly the series is, is interesting to know. They were memory wiped and find out their killers. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, that was it was surprising to me that that was his answer. I was pleased though. Mm-hmm. Like that's good to hear. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting because one of the other questions actually sort of relates back to this because somebody was asking about um comparisons to the Stargate series, the various Stargate series and I guess I guess Stargate I I not terribly familiar with the Stargate, various Stargates. Franchise. Rather. Mm-hmm. Yes. But apparently Universe was, I guess, a little less well-received than the others because it was a little bit darker. And so somebody was talking about, well, you know, this actually seems kind of like Universe, that they're, you know, a little bit darker. And I think somebody made some comment about how this series picks up in a similar place to where the other series left off. I guess they went into stasis or something at the end of ah, universe. Okay. Sorry for the spoilers, anybody. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I just I thought that was interesting that maybe that's part of why he's stressing that no, this is a fun, funny show, because people had some issues, I guess, with universe perhaps being less fun than the other Stargates. Was where I was going with that. <laughs> so how did Anthony Lemke describe three? Oh, so <laughs> It starts off not surprising at all and ends up a little bit surprising. He says, cocky, crass, and caring. Ooh, I respect him for the alliteration. Yes. <laughs> but I that always is surprising. We have too. not seen a lot of caring attitude coming from three, but that's good to know. Interesting. Yes. He, he did actually mention the fact that, you know, the caring is, is a bit surprising, but he, he said that it would reveal itself as the season progressed, apparently. Okay. So how about Melissa O'Neill? How did she describe two? Yeah, none of this is surprising. Strong, smart, and a fighter. That makes total sense to me. Yes. So how about Mark Mark Ben David? What did he say for one? <laughs> he he really had to think about it, but what he came up with was no can fighty. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm not sure, but I, I kind of want to say no can fighty, <laughs> and then everybody just cracked up. 
That's great. He took a he took a different approach to it and and came up with the best answer, I think. <laughs> but I'm guessing he might mean hand-to-hand combat because we've seen him use guns and stuff pretty pretty well. Right. So I'm guessing, but he didn't do so well against two hand-to-hand wise. So maybe he's no. talking about that. I assume so. Okay. I assume it's in in the the realm of, you know, training, training in hand-to-hand combat. No Ken fighty. <laughs> So I know you were talking about asking a question about the the ship based sci fi label. Did that get talked about at all? I I aggressively air quoted at you. I apologize. It's okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was actually one of my my backup questions, just because you know you want to have a selection in case all of your questions get asked. And somebody did actually ask about the oft used phrase. I noticed Joe had been using this a lot in uh, various press and possibly on his blog, talking about how. Dark matter is ship-based sci-fi, and see, and in my head these days, that just goes to everybody's making out with everybody, but nobody's making out with anybody on dark matter so far. Well, not I yet. guess I guess one got some smoochies, but that's true. Not on the ship, <laughs> not yet. There, there are looks being exchanged. <laughs> smoochies may be eminence, is what we're saying. <laughs> Eminent smoochies, pantslessness. <laughs> that's already happened, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's been pantslessness and oh, you're saying looks that's facilitating exchanged. the eminent the eminence the eminence that's not right. I think it might be okay. Facilitating the eminenceness. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you started out right and then just <laughs> took a hard right turn into well, nope. <laughs> I really just wanted to add a ness on there. But I anyhow, know. it's anyway. fine. It's fine. Ship based sci fi. Not about everybody making out with each other. No, about living vehicles. on a ship. Okay. <laughs> Spacecraft. So does that mean – so what does that mean exactly? Is he saying that they're – because they went onto a planet for a time, so they're, they're going to get off the ship at times, right? Yes. That that was actually the question that was asked was, okay, you've described this as ship-based sci-fi. Does that mean that we're not going to be visiting planets? And, and Joe was like, no, no, we're going to be getting off of the ship because otherwise it might feel too claustrophobic. But I bet he'll use that claustrophobia at times for story. Quite, quite possible. <laughs> but it's like – have you noticed how huge their ship seems to be? It seems to be very big. It's like, like their shuttle ship. is huge. Their shuttle easily sits like six people. That's a big shuttle. It is. Yeah. The entire crew can fit on that shuttle. Mm-hmm. Like, why do they need a ship that big? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, apparently the idea, I guess, is that they live on the ship and, you know, that is their home base because he did say that they would be getting, I guess, various adventures at various planets, it sounded like, so... But in the, I guess in the the legacy of like Star Trek, yeah, Star and Trek and Firefly, Firefly and yeah, exactly, where they don't really have a home planet; it's just them flying around on a ship of various sizes. Yes, obviously the Serenity nowhere near as big as the Starship Enterprise. That is true. That was the extent of my ship-based sci-fi knowledge, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the Raza is somewhere in between those ships, size-wise. Yes, yes. Because Battlestar Galactica, that ship was pretty big too. I will take your word for it. That's my. That's literally the last of my ship-based sci-fi knowledge. Moving on. <laughs> so, so what else? What was another highlight of the call? So somebody actually asked about why, why make two the leader and why have it be one of the women instead of one of the men, and you know why have everybody be so readily accepting of two as the leader. Yeah, because they just like she's like do this, do this, do this. Okay, there's there's not a whole lot of resistance of like, hey, I'm gonna be in charge. Not not to her face. No, 
I guess three does talk about it with six afterward, but it's too late by then. Pretty much. (laughs) And I think that is sort of most of the answer that they gave is like, well, she was so certain about it (laughs) that there's just sort of like, you know, why, I guess, why not follow that, right? If you're not sure of much else, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's somebody who seems certain about something. Mm -hmm. Let's go with that. (laughs) And her suggestions are reasonable. I I feel like she's, and she seems like a fair person. It's not like she's telling them to do things that are outlandish. Correct. And she kind of confronts it in the second episode, which I like, where I think one says to her kind of flippantly, well, who put you in charge? And she's like, you did. Because, you know, I stepped up and nobody else has challenged me. I think I think it was actually Anthony Lemke did say something about, like, but, well, she's so adorable, I think was the beginning of his answer. <laughs> it's like, she's so, do- so adorable. Look at her. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that's a completely reasonable explanation, Anthony Lemke, but... Adorableness is not often a quality that I seek in a leader. It's not that adorable people can't be leaders, but I'm not like, oh, adorable. Let's see what she's going to do. Or he's going to do. Adorable. (laughs) Let's follow them. They're so cute. (laughs) But yeah, Joe did mention also something about uh, basically not having a whole lot of female spaceship leader type people. Captain Janeway. That was the one he cited, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because even in in Battlestar Galactica, which had some great, strong women roles, who were the leaders on the ship? Stama, he was the head of the ship. He was he was a dude. You had you had President Roslyn, but you know she was the president. She was not a member of the the crew. So yeah, Janeway is the only one I can think of offhand. Yeah, I don't know that I can really think of any either. I don't know the Stargate universe, but just from my recollection, Janeway, who's great. I like Janeway. Janeway's awesome. Jane wait forever. Well, thank you, Chris, for sharing the highlights from the media call. I appreciate it. And we hope that you listeners are enjoying our episode discussion so far from season one. We always appreciate getting your feedback and your ideas about the show to include in our discussions. You can send that feedback on Twitter and on Tumblr. We're Dark Matter Pod on both. You can also find us at our website, askgenretv.com slash darkmatter. You can send us audio feedback, which we love getting, by calling our listener voicemail line, 972-514-7223. You can also record a message with your voice memo app on your smartphone and email it to us, darkmatter at askgenretv.com. I'm glad you could join us because we're dangerous. Thanks for listening. 